Oh, I haven't got. I've got a a diet coke, oh. or or if I'm feeling brave, an Ahara's oh. Irish Stout award you know, winning. I think I had a bottle of that in the bottom of my fridge and recently threw it out because it was two years out of date. Oh. Well, um, yeah, I'm not sure because uh, I'm meant to be cutting the hedge, uh, but it's snowing. <laughs> so um, I'm not going out there. It is, it is zero degrees on the thermometer. That's absolutely freezing. As they say. I was, yeah. On Saturday, I was in a T-shirt and I got sunburned. Yeah. Crazy, isn't it? Yeah. Should we introduce the show, by the way? Shorter. Uh, yeah. I'm going to go for a beer. I'm not going anywhere. Okay. Well, as John opens a beer, I'll welcome you to uh, episode 104 of the North v South podcast. Podcast about, very rarely about design these days. Uh, so, good afternoon, John. Good How's afternoon. The How's the stout looking? It's freezing. Uh, right it outside. Very, <laughs> very decadent having a glass of stout. At lunchtime. Mm. It is a little, isn't it? I'm meant to be at the gym, but um, I was just <laughs> discussing with you before. Um, my daughter's upstairs in bed and uh, she's just come down with COVID. So, <clears throat> yeah, we've managed to survive this long without bringing it into the house, but it is now amongst us. It walks it's, amongst us. It does and, seem to be getting everyone now. Yeah. Uh, the school is really struggling because there's no rules in to help them or support them mm. or allow them to do testing and, and yeah. continue this descent into absolute anarchy in this stupid country. <laughs> yeah. Um, not stupid country. That's not fair. We're ruled by absolute idiots. leather and idiots. Yeah. Anyway, enough of that. What's on your desk, John? Oh, good question. What is on my desk? I've got a new a new airbrush for my uh, hobby. Uh, it's a Harder and Steenbeck German-made posh one. Lovely. I've always Can't had just cheap, cheap Chinese the ones that come with your compressor. Absolute yeah. rubbish, always blocking up. This thing is a, a thing of beauty. Have you christened it yet? <laughs> no, um, I haven't. I haven't had time. Um, You've just fiddled with its action. Yeah. <laughs> I've actually I've got a uh, a little extractor thing that's coming because I don't want to um, atomize paint into the air anymore because it's sort of coated everything in here. Yeah, fine, fine spray. <laughs> yeah, anything that's uh, that's behind it is just covered in a sort of grey, grey oh. speckle, and I can't I, think that's very good for my. No, life. no, I did um, a COVID test the other day, and. Uh, I'd just been spray painting some orchids black for a funeral mm. and the COVID, uh, you know, swab came out of my nostrils black. I thought, I wonder if that's going to affect the test results. <laughs> Who knows? It might have. But Was yes. it banter black? <laughs> we had to talk about <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Don't tell Anish. <laughs> um, no, I've got a mask. I do wear a mask when I do it. I'm not total numpty, but yeah. Um, yeah, just bought a cheap one. So that's that's fun. I've got lots of models to make um, mm. and uh, and paint. So uh, and that takes me on to the next thing I've got here. I've just printed off a load of new uh, my latest iteration of my game that I'm making. Um, that I'm making a, a children's game. Um, it's it's code name is Travel Trouble, and Love you're it. a kind of uh, yeah. It's set in a sort of Jules Verne steve steampunk anthropomorphic world where you uh, you're racing around the 
world to try and collect stickers for your suitcase so that you can prove that you've traveled the world. And there's Such an a cool evil, little idea. An evil weasel chasing you. As in life, as in art. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so I've got all the components for that because now I've got a captive uh, test dummy upstairs. Um, so well, she's not going to appreciate being called a dummy. Talking of, have you used Universal? Is it called Universal Access? I haven't. Um, it's it's really weird. It's Tell me um, how that works. So, you, if you've got an iPad and a, and a Mac, you can um, it basically integrates both of them with each other. If you sort of mm. mean, so when you move your mouse off the edge of the screen, depending on where you've told it the iPad is, it the mouse then appears on the iPad. You can do things on it. You can use the keyboard, the Mac keyboard on the iPad. That's kind of cool. So it's kind of like an extension, really. Um, but you can also use it. You can still extend the screen so it just copies it or adds it as a new screen. But this is completely yeah. different. It's more of a – it's really handy if you've got, like, um, email and a to-do list or something like that on your iPad. You can have that mm. off to your side, which is what I do. And then you, But you're using it as a sort of – Split entities, as it were. It's very nice. clever. I'm guessing that the two are going to roll into each other, the two operating systems at some point, or at least become very much aligned. Well, <clears throat> particularly now the, the M1 chip, which is based on the A15, isn't it, from the iPhones. Now that's uh, making its appearance in all the Macs. So there's no reason for it not to integrate more yeah. fully. Yeah. I've been doing a course with this guy called... James Hewitt, who his company is called um, Needy Cat Games. Mm. He's X Games Workshop, um, and he's done a few independent games. And he's just doing a weekly course. Um, I think it was about 60 quid, and it's about six weeks long. Um, it's been really, really good. And he's got a little Discord thing set up, and you can chat with him directly and discuss with other amateur game makers and professional i'm sure um yeah so it's been really really interesting working on those uh, on that as a design well just using the same principles as i do for for my day job really yeah it's it's all very straight you know yeah it's fairly similar sounds great yeah so i'm, I'm enjoying that um whether i make something or not i don't know but we'll see we'll have sort of we're starting because we're, we we're planning a kickstarter um in uh, it's probably going to be starting in May. Hang on, hang no, on. not I, I can hear the crowd go wild. <laughs> Other than, uh, what else have I got? Uh, I'm not really watching any TV at the moment, um, I'm too busy in the evenings. And um, I'm reading Ravener by Dan Abnett, which is uh, one of the Black Library books. Yep. Uh, it's a sort of sci fi set in Warhammer 40,000, which even if you're not a Warhammer 40,000 fan, which I uh, imagine there's millions of you that aren't, they're, they're cracking sci-fi books, and he's a he's a brilliant writer, so I uh, really recommend him. It's the sort of second trilogy in a whole series of books about Inquisitors, who are these kind of um, imperial uh, investigators. So it's a bit gumshoey. Yeah. Well, I'll be looking forward to getting into that world a bit myself, thanks to your kind birthday present. Oh, yeah, happy birthday last week. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so what's on your one? Well, I finished I finished all the illustrations for this uh, art fair, which I think I mentioned. So Max Dory's work um, of these kind of crazy post 
post-flood contraptions that he makes models of, and I was asked to do some illustrations of those for an outfit. So I've sent those off, um, and that actually opens tonight, uh, and I'm going to go over tomorrow to see that. So it'd be nice to see his models in the flesh. Um, it's also the first time I've ever had work in an exhibition, which is nice at the age of 49. It's fantastic. The um, I, I I hadn't seen his work before, and it's so great. And I like <laughs> the scale of it because they're not they're not tiny little they're models, not. are they? They're really big. Yeah. Um, but they're sort of, I'd say, yeah, they're they're like tub boats and um, sort of weird tricycles and yeah. yeah. I mean, if you like Ian McQuay, they're very you know Absolutely. of that universe. Yeah. Um, but just I like what, looking at his uh, his studio pictures. It just looks like an amazing place to work. <laughs> Absolutely, Aladdin's cave. Yeah, yeah, he's so clever. Yep, very smart. Uh, so that was that. I took my new drone out. I've taken. That oh, out you've for, used it. I've taken it out for a couple of flights now. So the only place near me that I can fly it is there's one field in Richmond Park designated as a flying field uh, where I can go fly it. not allowed to fly it really anywhere else in the Royal Park. So most kind of wildlife trust places and nature reserves, obviously you can't fly it. So, um, But it's good. It's quite, it's quite a lot to get your head around. So you've kind of got the technical aspects of it, kind of setting it up and it's quite complicated um, and kind of then setting up the camera so you're going to get the best results. Because it's got, you know, you've got masses of options for ISO and shutter speed and, you know, 4K, 1080p, whether or not you're shooting at 25 frames a second or 60 frames a second. Or... So I've kind of, I think I've got it set up now how I want it. Um, and then obviously you've got the hand-eye coordination flying a drone thing that you've got to get your head around, which is quite... Um, it's, it's quite a big thing, really, to to try and grasp. It's very difficult. You, the handset, I don't, I'm sure you've seen, your phone clips onto the top of the controller. So that's your screen for viewing what the drone sees. But you also kind of got to try and keep in mind that you've got to try and keep it in sight. But the DJI Mini 2, it's only like six inches long. So once it's more than about 50 metres away, you really can't see it. <laughs> Yeah. Um, well, it's got lots of clever stuff on it. It's got a, like a return to home button. Um, you press that and it'll come back. But what I didn't realize is that return to home button doesn't actually land it. It just brings you back. It just brings it back to you. So I pressed this button. I was like, what? where is it? I had no idea where it was. I was I was rotating the controllers to try and get my bearings, looking at the screen. Couldn't hear it. No idea where it was. But it returned it to home at its max altitude. So it was <laughs> it was 120 metres above my head. And I couldn't hear it. I couldn't see it. No idea. So that's fun. Old man uh, with technology. I know, I know. And the other thing that I've now got to get my head around, because the main reason for getting a drone is to take it to Iceland to get some landscape footage, is kind of thinking like a filmmaker. I'm thinking about kind of what type of shots I want to get uh, in the places that I want to visit. So, um, yeah, I'm going to try and get out at least once a week for the next four weeks. And hopefully that's 
that's enough for me to go to Iceland with. Um, but yeah, it's good. It's a really clever bit of kit. It's, it just it blows me away how still it'll sit and the kind of camera gimbal will just do these little micro movements to keep the camera steady and really, really smart. It'd be cool to see a, a picture of it, you know, film it actually in movement. Have you have you posted yeah. any stuff from it yet? I haven't yet. Uh, Steph on out last week with it, actually on my birthday, and uh, I flew it perilously close at my wife. Uh, and she, she videoed that from her point of view. Um, it got a lot closer to it than I planned. So you've really got to be quite careful. Yeah, but no, I haven't posted anything yet. I mean, the, the only problem with this place in Richmond is it's it's basically just an empty bit of the park, so there's not actually an awful lot to see. Mm-hmm. So, no, that was good. Uh, what else have I been up to? Um, I've been watching Marvel's started watching Marvel's new TV series called Moon Knight, which is not a character I knew, but was fun. Oscar Isaac's starring as a character with multiple personality disorder one of one of whom is a kind of egyptian god stroke superhero that's it's fun it's really good yeah Yeah. uh i'm watching picard which is over on amazon prime um which is really good the first series of it was okay and this second series is just fantastic i think i'm not a big fan of time travel and they've travelled back to the present day to stop something happening that affects the future. Um, but they've done it quite well. Um, it's quite interesting. Yeah, I heard, I heard good things. Good things. About it looks great. So it's a really good cast. It looks fantastic. Um, yeah, it's really good. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't picked it up yet. I haven't done any sort of TV watching recently. Yeah. Um, yes. So um, I've just been busy printing... <clears throat> Printing lots of Ukrainian posters. Yeah, how how um, have you got any um, numbers on that? Well, no, I'm going to release them tomorrow. Uh, okay, because uh, it will be the end of the sort of the run of um, the charity that we were doing, yeah. um, collecting money. But it's it's over nine hundred quid, I think. Um, That's excellent. Yeah, which is great. Yeah. Once we've paid for all the uh, paper and the ink and all that. Yeah. Yeah. So, Brilliant. Uh, yeah, good. Thank you to everyone who's who's bought one, and I hope you enjoy them. Yeah, I think they look great. They do. <clears throat> um, well, that's about all I've got on my desk really this week, Jonathan. Yeah, I haven't got anything really. I'm, I, I, I always um, when I don't have a lot of work on, I always sort of slump into a kind of uh, this life of indecision. Do you know what I mean? I, I, I magpie pick at tasks around the house because I, you know, work at home. Yeah. You know, DIY tasks, anything like that, you know, uh, to to avoid sort of really thinking about what I'm going to do in the future. I'm much more, I like, you know, if a job comes in and I, and it just takes up all my time, then that's great. And I can, you know, I can focus and get it done. But as soon as it becomes a bit bitty, I sort of pick and choose bits and I find it really hard to motivate myself. No, I'm the same. And I think for that reason, I find the beginnings of projects always much more interesting and easy to to get into than the end of a project. Yeah, yeah, it's it's hard to finish them. And I've got I've got a client at the moment that um, I'm working for hasn't given me any copy, and um, and it's now you know we're we're into the time when it's meant to be finished, and 
I mean, I don't feel bad about it because I haven't done it, but because mm. I can't do it. So it's kind of like, yeah, I, I'd rather be getting on with a new project, but I'm going to have to hold on. on. It? It's going to drag on. I know it's going to be a couple of months, which is kind of concerning, but there we go. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. I haven't, um, so I don't feel very motivated at the moment. I'm trying to get into a, into a project that I really need to get my teeth into. And I think, I think the Kickstarter thing has got to be the one that's going to be my, it's yeah. the one on the horizon. Yeah. I was, I was thinking earlier, personal projects quite often also are the, the things that are easiest to put off when other stuff comes in. Mm-hmm. And I think working with something on you is a, it's kind of a really good opportunity to, to concentrate on something and, um, give something a bit more of the time that it deserves yeah i've been using a new um i use i like just lists yeah that's how mm. i sort of order my stuff i don't go much more complicated than that um i find that clients never engage with project management systems generally so i've always used this this app called things three i don't know if anybody right. else uses it it's yeah I, used, good, I think i used to use it for a while <clears throat> it's quite a nice it's just a really nicely designed uh reminder app but it's not really that much different to the apple reminders which comes with all your bits and bobs yeah but somebody recommended another one called tick tick it's not as nice nicely designed as the others um but it's got a bit of an expansion on it in terms of it's got a built-in pomodoro timer which i i use a lot so um you can assign a timer to a task and it will then count how many pomodoros you've done and you can do an estimate for it so it's quite good to put a little bit of pressure on yourself so you don't mess about with time but the the other thing that's really good about it is that it will then build out into a calendar so you can assign reminders to chunked out time because otherwise you end up with a calendar with, with all your uh, you know all your um, tasks in there and then you're repeating it in terms of yeah. reminders because you can't tick off calendar events so that's a really nice um balance between the two you have to pay like to get that extra bit the calendar bit yeah i think you i think it's like two pounds a month or something like that it's not not very much so i'm trialing it out at the moment it's really weird isn't it you've been using another tool for so long and then you suddenly like have to unclasp yourself from it yeah and you're learning a new way to do it it's really really difficult but i'm quite enjoying it so that's that's tick tick yeah, interesting yeah i'm very much just use apple reminders and notes yeah i mean just apple reminders is just hard to order things and you know when you drag them they always drag them inside each other it drives me mad um the other thing the other new bit of software is procreate have you seen that they've updated it recently um and they've added and this sort of got me thinking about you know when you have really really nice polished software and you keep adding and then the, um, the owner keeps having to add features to it because it's the only way they're going to get new revenue. Um, yeah. And you can see why so many companies sort of go to a subscription model where you don't actually get new features, but, you know, they get that repeat that repeat business of every mm. month. Yeah, so, Pro, so Procreate has added it's, – it's, it's needed some features for, for a while. So, for example – uh, it's now got memory on pencils. So if you've got a pencil size, every time you go back to a pen, it resets it to the same size. So you can now yeah. set it to remember what you used last, which is quite yeah. nice. Um, and you can do the same with the transparency. Um, palettes are now, you can name the colors, so you can have them in a, a larger palette, That's handy. Um, which is which is much better. It has pages, a kind of weird concept of pages. So you can add pages, to the one document, which is quite nice as a notepad. Um, I think okay. they're using that 
I think it's sort of an extension of their animation bit that they added to it, which right. I haven't used. But the weirdest thing they've added is 3D model painting. So you can download 3D models into the actual app and paint them using Procreate's tools, which I'm guessing, you know, is extending their their um, their user base into into gaming and 3D modeling and that kind well, of yeah, stuff. Well, yeah, I mean, a lot of professionals use Procreate, so it kind of makes sense for them to incorporate that, I think. Yeah, it just it just it seems to me that you that you're then starting to stretch the core. What was so nice and simple about the the original um, app, you're stretching it slowly into that sort of Photoshop world, aren't you? Yeah, I mean it's bound to happen, isn't it? But yeah, it just makes me a little bit sad. Oh, like, yeah, why things can't stay the same, Rob. <laughs> 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 anyway, that was that wasn't even that was complete aside there. I just uh, just riff that one. Digressions so, are allowed. Should we go with news? Let's. Okay. So news. Uh, first one is um, I read that Helvetica, the film, is fifteen years old and know, it's, it's streaming crazy, it? for free on their website. If mm. you've not seen it, so uh, yeah, if you want want to spend an hour and a half watching something very interesting, it's probably it's probably aged massively because I think at the time it, a lot of documentaries hadn't been made in in that way, but now we are in the age of yeah. old, sort of post age of plinky plonky music. Um, it is very much plinky plonky music, but it's on um, ouprettythings.com. Well worth a look. It is good. Um, what news have I got? Well, it was the Oscars this week, Jonathan. I don't know if you saw them. They seem to pass off without much incident. No, I, I'm not. I have no interest in them. But I, oh yeah, no. I, what happened? <laughs> oh, let's not go. Let's not go into that. I was just going to ask. Uh, how many of the nominated Best Picture films did you see? I don't know. What? Uh, hang on. Have you put a list somewhere? Oh, right. Uh, there is a list. Nightmare Alley, Don't Look Up, Dune, Drive My Car, Belfast, Licorice Pizza, Power of the Dog, West Side Story, King Richard and Coda. One. One of them. One. Which one? Dune. Uh, yeah. No, I haven't seen any of the others. Well, quite a few of them are on, are on streaming. So obviously Don't Look Up was a streaming film. Coda streaming on apple west side story is now on disney power of the dog was a netflix production nightmare alley is on disney i think or netflix one or the other um so gone is the the time where you had to wait months to see things in the cinema isn't it but um i've seen don't look up i've, I've seen don't look up june and the power of the dog the power of the dog is possibly the most beautiful film I've ever seen. Oh, yeah. The cinematography is just... Oh, is that a cowboy? Is that the cowboy film? Yeah. So they filmed it in New Zealand as Montana. Um, and it's just beautifully shot. You know, it's that kind of old school, you know, filmed at Golden Hour, all these beautiful vistas of mountain ranges. And it's just... Uh, uh, it's a brilliant film, you know, kind of real slow... Um, Slow film, but it's beautiful. Really, really good. Mm. Yeah, I, I, I've got a lot of them on my list. It's just, it's just time and the fact that, um, yeah, mm. my other half isn't a massive film watcher. So, um, yeah. yeah, and I can't bear it if I'm watching a film and somebody's asleep or scrolling or doing something else. It, it, <laughs> it, it I don't know. It affects my uh, my NFTs. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, talking of slow films, actually, I watched um, Bullet. The other day. Is that um, Steve McQueen time. sort of caper yeah. from the 60s? Yeah, it's, it's 
1968, I think. This is the one with a classic San Francisco car chase in it. Um, but that's a really slow film. Is it? I mean, I know that kind of 60s, 70s, that kind of thriller had that kind of, you know, sort of pared back feel to them a lot of the time. But the, there's not an awful lot of dialogue in it. It's really, it's really sparse dialogue. There's lots of silence and there's lots of ambient noise. So there's lots of bits where you're kind of, you know, you're hearing traffic. Oh, or, right, yeah. or the only soundtrack is kind of a coffee shop or a restaurant. Have you ever, have you ever um, seen a film called The Conversation with Gene Hackman? Yes. Yeah, it's similar sort yeah. of Or French feel. Connection has the same kind of, like lots of, yeah, loud yeah. blaring sirens and wails and exactly. titty noises. And they're all of that era, aren't they? But um, but it's brilliant. It's really good. And Steve McCoy, I mean, has anyone ever been cooler? Just that, whole, that, that phrase, effort, effortless, cool. Yeah. I mean, he just epitomised that. I was showing um, Kitty old horror film, um, like sort of, you know, introductions and we were going through them on YouTube a while ago and uh, we, we got the blob up. And he that was yeah. his first, one of his first. <clears throat> That's his first film. It his yeah. first film. It's so terrible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. That's great. I think that's you probably get that on catch-up at the minute because it was on normal telly. Oh, okay. Back to the Oscars. Um, there's definitely a few films I'm going to, I'm going to try and watch Nightmare Alley, the Guillermo del Toro kind of noirish thing. Um, I want to see. It kind of got sort of mixed reviews. You know, beautiful but a bit, I don't know, not not that engaging. Which I, I found that on a couple of his films. I'd watch um, all of those. I'd quite, you know, I'd happily scarf mm. those all up. So I'll be, I'll be definitely taking a look at them. Well, maybe we should make an effort to watch uh, watch a couple of those before our next next podcast. Yeah, all, right. all right, you mark them up and I'll watch them. Righto. Next up, oh, a Lego. I'm always, I've always got my eye on Lego. Um, These are so a, good. Yeah, a new a new series of um, a Lego, and I'm, I can't believe they haven't done these before. Well, they probably have, but um, they. I don't think they have. It's just brilliant. But they're dioramas, so they're little sort of snippets of movies. They've started, so they've started with Star Wars, and um, they've they've nailed it out out of the gate. Their kit seven five three two nine is a a trench run diorama. So it's like really micro little uh, slice of X wing versus Tie Fighters, and the bit when Luke goes into the trench. That's a lovely bit of Lego, isn't it? Yeah. And then they've got they've got the trash compactor scene, which is just you know oh, that, that as a kid um, just I've only blew seen my mind. The, the yeah, and it moves, it moves in. So um, and then the third one is uh, the stupid one with Yoda when it when it all went muppety. Um, oh, what's that? the Dago bars system. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm not that interested in that one, but um, the other two, but they are poor. Oh, they're a bit they're a bit pricey. <laughs> they're like. I don't know what it is for the yeah, for the Death seven, Star trench run. It's out at the end of April, so not fifty five quid. Fifty five quid. I'm definitely getting that. <laughs> definitely yeah, getting that. I mean, it's a bit pricey, isn't it? Yeah, the other one I think is even more. Uh oh, yeah. snow snow is increasing. More snow. Oh yeah, it's not settling though. Uh, what other news have I got? Do you know? I thought it was a bit of a um, sparse week for news. I've got something about Art Station, um, which. You know, there's been a lot of uh, companies severing ties with Russia at the moment because of what's been going on in Ukraine. Uh, an art station seems to have, so. If you don't know Art Station, it's it's kind of the favoured platform really for a lot of artists, kind of industry artists, so kind of concept artists and things like that. Yeah. Um, 
and it's a bit of a kind of social media platform, but it's also really uh, a portfolio site. Um, but they seem to be censoring um, a lot of posts to do with Ukraine. So obviously there's kind of a lot of protest art out at the moment, and they seem to be censoring a lot of it. Sorry, one moment, please. Um, I have a pastry um, arriving. I'm going to give you a little... I'm going to give you a little glimpse of this, John, and see how horrified you are. <laughs> I'm, se- I'm sending the inquisitors. Blasphemy! Uh, I know. <laughs> yes, sir. Uh, back to Art Station. They seem to be censoring a lot of that kind of art that's that's um, opposing Russia's action in uh, Ukraine, and it seems strange, really, for them to take that stance. You know. I think, you know, they're going to say, oh, well, you know, that kind of political activist type stuff goes against our guidelines and things. But when the rest of the world is is rightly up in arms about what Russia are doing in Ukraine, it seems a strange thing to kind of stick to your guns so strictly rather than to the spirit of them. Um, and it's really pissing a lot of, a lot of artists off, I'm rightly yeah. so. Do the artists pay to be on it? No, advertising no, they don't. And uh, who who runs it? Do we know who runs it? I don't it? know. Who shadowy, runs. shadowy. I, uh... I do not know, John. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. They they take a cut from. You can obviously host a shop on ArtStation and stuff, and they take a cut from that. But I can't imagine it's the sort of thing that you know affects their their bottom line. Yeah, tech bros. Yeah. Um, I missed off on there. Yeah, there's a there's also out tomorrow is a Back to the Future time machine, uh, the car, the DeLorean. That's out in Lego as well. That's a really good looking model. That yeah, um, I think I think the DeLorean suits it the so angular. well. Yeah, I think so many of the car kits look appalling, but the DeLorean, I mean, it's just yeah. perfect. 150 notes, though. They're so expensive, aren't they? Yeah. So from the sublime to the ridiculous, I saw this advert. I don't know why it was uh, targeting me. I think it. I think it targeted me on Instagram or something like that. Slowwatches.com. I mean, that sounds like an oxymoron. We, well, I'm saying this is typical of the TikTok generation. It's only got one hand. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is better than a watch we featured before, John, which yeah, had yeah. no hands. No hands. So no was- hands. We're going to one hand. They're trying to sell it as some kind of uh, new way of... of slowing down your life okay. you but, can um, read the time accurately to plus or minus one or two minutes <laughs> well that's that's less that's less efficient than a normal watch yes. so and it takes you probably takes you a couple of minutes to read it yeah i mean so they're 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 aiming this at people who don't have anything they really need to be on time for just as long as they're in the vicinity of the right time this it's all about slow Slow concept, yeah. slow, but buy it, buy it quick because it's selling out. Um, yeah. It's it's not a pretty looking watch either. It's not, is it? No, none of the faces are nice. So um, if they'd have done it like a, a Swiss, you know, a railway railway yes. clock with the red, yeah, but, um, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's two hundred and sixty quid as well. So um, it can uh, it can. I assume if it had two hands, it'd be twice as much. <laughs> so yeah, that's going to get a one hand clapping. Yeah. Absolutely. Have you heard of um, Arendelle? No. What is this? It's not out of Lord of the Rings. It's no. the most distant star ever detected. So a lot of uh, kind of space news recently has been about the new James Webb Space Telescope, 
which is currently fine-tuning itself before it starts its science missions. Um, but Hubble has, uh, has knocked one out of the park by observing the most distant star ever observed, and it is 12.8 billion light-years away. Mm-hmm. So the universe, our known universe, was only 900 million years old when this star was shining. Mm-hmm. Um and it's been observed because of gravitational lensing, which we've talked about before, I think, weirdly. I mean, it seems like quite a, uh, an esoteric thing to talk about, but I'm pretty sure we've talked about uh, gravitational lensing on the... Is this where we're looking around objects? Because of the Yeah, exactly. So there's kind of massive uh, superclusters of galaxies between us and the star, <clears throat> and that creates lenses which can not only show you things that are behind other things, because light is bent around them, but they can also magnify it. So I think this has been, the image of this, simply through gravitational lensing, has already been magnified by up to, I think it's between 1,000 and 40,000 times. And then obviously the Hubble has done its magic. Um, Yeah, but I thought that was pretty incredible. When we talk about things like this, I always wonder, so the, Effectively, the bigger the telescope you've got, the further back in time you can see, simply put, roughly put. So what if you built a really big telescope, John, and you could see back 13.7 billion years, which is when the universe started, what would you see? And would you see the same thing if you pointed it at anywhere in the sky? I don't know. Do you think there'll be a star? Do you mean you- no. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, what would you see? Well, I don't know. Oh. Black? I don't know. Should we build one and find and out? Black. We're not allowed to talk about it. No. Um, De- uh, Deliveroo doing uh, deliveries what? there, yeah? <laughs> I don't know. I think there's probably a surcharge. Talking of, of space-like data, um, well, not that we are, but the, uh, the vi- there's visual data maps, uh, which mm. do look like space. A chap called Mark Owen Jones has been visually analysing um, news, and he was looking at Nazanin Zagari Ratcliffe's interview and yep. looking at um, behaviour around that on Twitter. So um, what he does is he basically goes into the conversations and breaks it down using keywords that are um, in not only the replies but also the um the profiles and etc and the previous yeah. comments from those twitter users and then you can split them out into data so he's created this sort of weird galaxy like star star map it's um, good data visualization that it's amazing but what it what it shows is so you've got this huge clump of green on the left and this huge and this sort of smaller but more angry looking clump of red on the right and then, a, and then a lump in the middle. So the bit on the left is uh, people who are sympathising with her. Oh, if you don't know who she is, she's a recent uh, released uh, prisoner from Iran, um, and it was a uh, there was a news my brain interview interview with her and her husband. And when she got back to the UK, um, so pe- some people were saying she was ungrateful. Some people she was saying that she was deservedly angry with the British government. I mean, one's right, one's wrong, but um, there we go. <laughs> Brexit partisanship is just massively anti um, what she said about the British government. Yeah, it's so interesting. It's like he's analysed. I think it was like fourteen thousand different conversations, and the, the the separation between the two types of people, and this shows what you know the situation that our country is in at the moment. Yeah. The, the the split between 
uh, how black and white politics has become rather than sort of amorphous and rather sort of gradual it's it's really it's really startling and what's really interesting is <laughs> there's a blue blob in the middle and that is um uh, julia hartley brewer she's an arch stirrer of the right-wing press um she's in the middle because she said she would have punched someone in the face when she got back so she's sort of bridging these two conversations which is really quite startling isn't it yeah i think one of the things they showed i think everyone knows but it's in it, it's interesting to see the kind of correlation between Brexit, the far right, uh, misogyny, transphobia, and they all line up. You know what? You, know, you wouldn't think that you know someone, you know, clinging onto a, a a Britain of the nineteen fifties would necessarily be part of a kind of a a far right transphobic supergroup, but that really is how it all seems to correlate and this and it's because of people like Hartley Brewer who who kind of fertilize these you know these battlegrounds of oh yeah Peter Hitchens is another one yeah sort of yeah. just is constantly angry can never yeah. find anything positive about yeah. life in, in, must be in so miserable way. living like what that. A, what, a, what an awful existence yeah. well I'm going to scroll away from them but yes. anyway yeah, I, de- I definitely recommend going to look at it's um at Mark Owen Jones, M-A-R-C, data analyst, and his um, his Twitter feed is full of interesting graphics. The, going from designers I like to designers, uh, the <laughs> headlines that oh, I've written here, the headlines like this make me hate designers. <laughs> and this one is uh, it's on it, from IndieHackers.com, and it's some chap. Uh, oh, I hate him already. Craig Barber. And the title is, and I'm sure this is, you know, this might be an editor doing this, but I've made over 2 million designing websites in my career. And here's my top tips. Jeez. <laughs> and they're not even design tips. They're just, they're my top five tips. Use just three colors. Use just one font. Also, this isn't anything about stuff he's done, is it? No. Make everything modular. I mean, they're showing the Apple website and. Yeah. Use high quality images. Well, thanks for that, Einstein. Yeah. Um, if only I'd you, been using high quality images, I could have made two million dollars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know who Craig Barber is, and I, I apologise. He's a really very nice person. But yeah, if your if your title is going to be "I made over two million dollars designing websites," you can go and <laughs> do one, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. Uh, I'm out of news. So, what else have you got? Oh, um, there's a new Apple TV show. We sp- I think we spoke about this book before, Slow Horses by Mick Heron, was it? Have you read it? Mm, I no. don't know. I've it's read about, it. It's about a really failing spy. Um, he gets put into this department that is just filled with um, spies and sort of uh, security workers that are just useless. Um, and I it's like got Gary, it Gary Oldman. He's Jackson Lamb. Um, he's is it contemporary? Of, or uh... Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, he's a slightly grubby, um, just sort of down at heel kind of uh, spy or in, in, intelligence officer, yeah. um, and it's just how he sort of slowly um, he just sort of gets drawn into a, a, an adventure. Um, it's it's kind of an antithesis and a and a, and a and a sort of refreshing side of the what the it or what ITV are doing with um, the Upcrest file because yeah. I've seen about four episodes of that now, and it's just. Horse shit. Oh, is it? Yeah, it's really awful. Has all these like Batman angles, 
Um, oh, okay. It's all of it's just style over substance and um, slow paced. And it's basically Midsummer Murders in the nineteen sixties. <laughs> I mean, because it is it is in their mystery season, so you know now they can't employ old um, old Lawrence Fox uh, as yes. you know Inspector Lewis or whatever. Then um, yeah, they're having to make other things. So yeah, no, they made a right mess of it. I okay. mean, it, you know, it looks good, and it, um, and it's kind of you know the lowest common denominator of spy mm. stuff. But I think hopefully that this um, slow horses will be good. So that's starting on Apple. Yeah. <clears throat> An article in It's Nice That. It's Nice That. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Is digital art going to change the way we create, consume and commission artworks? And I thought this was a, an interesting article because it, it, it basically brings together two artists. Well, its premise is that it brings together two artists to talk about what they think of the new emerging uh, digital marketplace. Mm. So selling work as digital work. Mm -hmm. And um, obviously that brings us to the blockchain and NFTs. And I know Mm -hmm. this is an ongoing subject, but where if I've read it twice now, and I'm still not sure I understand the benefits of it. I see as I see, that they're talking about it as a new space and a new sort of way to um, to sell work. Um, but I don't think either of them really understood where it's going or what it's, you know, how it's going to be good for, for both of them. Also, yeah. the two artists involved who are called Trevor Jackson and David Rudnick, I, um, I've never heard of them. Me um, neither. And uh, I guess they come from records and um, music mm-hmm. design, so like LP covers and all that kind of stuff. And the other one's much more of an artist, but they're very much from the edges of the design community. And I think that, you know, digital art as NFTs is still very much on the, uh, on the, on the edges. So it doesn't really talk about how this is all going to become, you know, how it might possibly become mainstream or useful to anybody who isn't either niche um, because one of them talks about the fact that on the platforms it's already impossible to get anywhere, you know, any traction because all the front pages are yep. filled up with people. So they're talking about either non-curated sites or independent networks. But I don't see how that can um, how that's going to bring any of their work further into the mainstream. Well, no, it's just you know the thing at the minute is it's it's kind of like the wild west and someone like OpenSea, which is a marketplace have specialist tools where you can mint thousands and thousands of nfts automatically you know you can essentially just upload an album of images and they'll yeah. do all the stuff um but that's the democratic side of it isn't it whereas what they're talking about a lot of talk people talk about is all kind of curated NFT collections and stuff. Well, well, that's just getting back to what it was before NFTs. That's just art, you know, curated by the wealthy yeah. for for the wealthy. Well, here, know, here, there's no democratization involved no, at all, is there? No, none at all. And here and here's the other thing is that you know they they one of the quotes is um, the bigger it grows, the more of our world that is in this ecosystem will come to be dominated by. Um, ETH billionaires. I'm guessing that's yeah, Ethereum. Ethereum. That's one yeah. of the coin. Not fiscal billionaires. The more of their taste of what they feel represents culture will then start to be manifested in the spaces around us. What you mean? So, like billionaires <laughs> will be replaced by billionaires. I mean, yeah, none of whom have got any taste. So, no. 
there's no improvement anywhere, is there? It's quite funny that the, that environmental sort of defence of the environmental impact of NFTs by uh, Trevor Jackson is is just is just what aboutery. He's saying, you know, I've produced records on vinyl that have gone unsold, and I've produced books made from literal trees. So it would be unfair of me to judge NFTs on their environmental impact. Well, that's just bollocks because you know this is this entire ecosystem invented just to make people rich which also happens to be staggeringly bad for the planet and then the, the other guy says you know the book that is printed on literal trees and has a mm. much higher carbon footprint than any nft i ever make they're sort of focusing in on the individual nft it's not that's not the the issue no. is it environmentally no. it's the fact that they're creating we're creating a market <clears throat> that already exists that's going to become exclusivized and curated like any posh gallery that you can be thrown out of in London, you know, it's just creating more elitist spaces. It's not democratizing it at all. Yeah. Which I guess is the way if money's involved, that's what always happens. Yeah. Can we go back to bartering for things, John? (laughs) The one, the one interesting point is the comment is um, two years ago, you couldn't sell a digital image for money. And now there are some circumstances where you can. That's that's the take. That's their takeaway. That is their takeaway, but it's also completely wrong because artists have been selling digital images on Gumroad for years. Yeah, I mean, it's just not not true. No. So there we go. That answers that one. Uh, <laughs> we solved <laughs> another issue. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, go and read, go and read the article. It's 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 interesting, but I wish they'd got other kinds of designers involved yes. in the debate. Yeah, absolutely. Not highfalutin conceptual artists yeah uh website of the week rob i've got three right very quickly uh youtube channel called philip scrabber he's uh a drone person uh and his videos are incredibly informative uh about how to fly film use drones on twitter the dread ships is uh one of my favorite twitter accounts at the moment which is like a naval maritime historical account and talks about uh, individual ships or naval engagements uh, going way back. But he's very funny, very informative, uh, and just uh, incredibly fun to read. So that's the Dread Ships on Twitter. Called Dread, the actual account's called Dreadnought Holiday. <laughs> and the other, the other one was... Um, I think from uh, it was from a cinema blog, and it's a breakdown of the workflow, really, uh, plus a lot of stats about all the best picture Oscar nominees this year. But it's really interesting because it talks about uh, kind of comparative budgets, filming schedules, technology involved, how they edit, um, lots of stuff like who filmed, who shot digitally, who shot on film, how things were put together. It's really, really interesting blog if you are interested in film and if you've if i've skipped over any links to uh to articles you can go onto our website and there's all the uh the links there from anything that we mentioned hopefully but yeah so my website of the week is um uh, an artist that i kind of know from ages ago 45 rpm uh he's had a print raising money for the ukraine um it's a reso one i was going to just mention his site because it's 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 really nice cool cool print unfortunately it's sold out already <laughs> so hopefully he'll produce some more um yeah. but um yeah he's he's a he's a really good artist oh cool didn't know him so i'll have a look at his other stuff and now we're on to pies 
Pies. Have you got a pie, John? Yeah. Is it a pie? Yeah. It's the Dickinson and Morris Milton Mowbray pork pie from Sainsbury's. Just, you know, the bog standard. Taking out the wrapping paper. Can we eat it? (laughs) He's like a hobbit with some um, lemas bread. Peppery. Jenny. It's good. It's been out of the fridge for a good hour, so. Excellent. Well, this helps. The score? Seven. Okay. And some good good pork pie to go with some stout. Yeah, good. On a, on a Thursday afternoon. On a snowy Thursday afternoon in March. Oh, no, it's sunny now. Oh, is it? Well, yeah. Blue skies are. Make your mind up. Yeah. Uh, I went to Thamesditton to my favourite patisserie to buy one of their pies, and they'd sold out. Um, so Backman's Bakery in Thamesditton. Uh, Swiss patisserie bakery, incredible stuff. Um, and they do good pies. And they'd sold out. So I've got a Cornish pasty. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you know. Technically, it's a pie, right? I mean, it's it's contents wrapped in pastry, right? I, I'm saying it's a pie. We've had this argument before, and I mm. say yes. You said no. Well, no, I've got one. I'll say yes. <laughs> if it's you that got it, I'll say no. <laughs> but it's really good. Everything Batman's do is great. Is it? The pastry is beautifully flakery, flaky and buttery. And it's a proper Cornish pasty, very peppery, lots of carrots and turnip. Delicious. Hard to get a better pasty, I'd say. And what's that getting? That's going to get a 9.2, John. Well, well, I mean, I'm going to throw it to the, uh, to the, you know, obviously the hordes. Um, mm. Is that is, is a pasty a pie? I'll put it up on our Twitter as a vote. And then um, <laughs> if, it, if it gets voted through... I will go on the chart. You can go on there. Otherwise, it gets disqualified. Okay. Okay, Okay, that seems fair. Well, I better go and see my patient. Yes. Not vomiting in my bed. I'll give her give her our love, and uh, (laughs) I hope the rest of you manage to avoid it. Talk again soon. Yeah. All right. All right. Take care of yourself. You too. Bye. Bye.